This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. Father God, we thank you for the word. We pray, oh God, that your spirit will reveal the truth in the word that we will live thereby. May we open our hearts to the move of your spirit that we will apply and become that living word in the world of darkness so that darkness will dissipate and the glory of God will release those who are bound by sin. We know you're able, God, in Jesus' matchless name. Hey, hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God. We are yet in the Lawful Works of Grace series, and we thank God for Jesus Christ. Last time we were yet in this message called Fear God, Not Society. I thank God for the truth of the word, for without the truth of the word, we would not have the wherewithal for the gift of faith. Faith comes by hearing, and that hearing is not by the faulty philosophies of men and women, my God, not for uh, whatever contrived theology we might have outside of the Word of God, but it comes by the real unadulterated Word of God. Hasn't been messed with, hasn't been changed, no ad additions, nothing subtracted. The all and out true Word of God. And we began with Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's from the King James Version. And from Luke 12, 4 through 7, and I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear, Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, Ye are of more value than many sparrows. Let's remember that there is divine wisdom and power available for us to be a holy witness in a sinful society. Yes, we're using archaic terminology, as some might say, as they might listen to this message, especially in this postmodern day that we live in. Because one in five that are so-called churchgoers are really following the tenets of the unadulterated Word of God. Many are falling into a secular thought, secular humanism, moral duplicity, my God. They're even going into the New Age movements. They're going even into Islamic thoughts, my God. But God is telling us, as he seeks for our undivided attention in the process of our emerging wholeness in him, that he wants us to continuously realize that we must fear God, not society. Yes, the Holy Ghost must lead us as we walk through this valley of the shadow of death called the uh, faith journey on earth. But we have no need to be fearful because when God takes the body count, into effect in heaven, 
there's going to be a who's who in heaven. And one of those listed in who's not going to be there are the fearful. So if you are basing your life on fear, and we may be doing that more than we might know, let the Holy Ghost lead you to know how to define fear and see if that is named among your members, meaning the members of your body, meaning everything that makes you, you. Are you moved because of fear? Or are you stymied and not moving in the will of God because of fear? Are you not growing in the Holy Ghost because of fear? Sometimes uh, we do not do as those faithful of the ancient day, people like Deacon Stephen, his name means crown. He would in the spirit receive a crown of glory. He was so obedient to the spirit that he had to face that very hostile, deadly crowd no matter what. Even though they stoned him, he yet preached the word of God. He saw the vision of God, the heavens opening up and a son of God seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That did not stop him. He preached about it and they went on to stone him more and hate my God. And these are the people that should have seen the same vision. These are the people that read from the same word, my goodness, my God, but they did not, amen, subject themselves to the spirit of that word. So they had their own mind made up and their own spirit, and they put their spirit on the word of God, and you can't do that. It has to be a revelation of the Holy Spirit. Then it's going to come from the perspective of God and from the heart of God, where he speaks the truth, but he wants to save, not stone, my God. Dare you even be like Esther, woman of God, who faced death, my God, and uttered one of the most mightiest statements of all. I will go to the king even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. She was going because of the will of God. Will you go with the will of God even in the face of danger? Even in the face of losing your bank account, losing your job, my God? losing key friends, so-called. My God, perhaps you'll even be like Daniel, who prayed publicly, even though it was against the law of the land, punishable by death, would you? What about the apostles, where the Holy Ghost filled them? They stood their ground on having true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, even to the point of death. You know, the religious community was so often angry with them that they were either threatened or hurt physically. Oh, but if our name is put out there on Facebook, we're ready to throw in a towel on Jesus. No, I'd rather keep my friends. My God. But Christian fear, uh, last time we, we remediated through the Holy Spirit, just in case people forgot what it really means. We looked at Luke 12, 4 through 7, Jesus redefines fear by rearranging our views so we look at things from God's perspective. He drew uh, upon the Old Testament concept of the fear of the Lord in Proverbs 1-7, and it's not a cowering, cringing terror, no, but it's high reverence to God. We give him our most, our best, amen. Thank God we don't give him the least and the leftovers, no. 
but we wake up from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, my God, and we yet want to praise God. We give him our best. We don't give uh, the best to whoever else and give God the rest. Why, my God, we don't show up, amen, in pristine condition in a timely way to others who are not God, but then come to God any kind of way because God is a God of love. He will forgive me. But he will hold that, uh, you accountable to what you have done. Every word, every little idle word, amen, if every little idle word, we got to be accountable for that. What about our actions? Are we really giving God our best, best, best? My God, it's a shame I have to speak milk sermons. And Jesus is about to come back, and I'm still preaching milk sermons, Similac sermons. I should be preaching meat sermons. People should have grew up by now. My God, it should not surprise you that anyone who is not subject to the Holy Spirit will be in pos uh, opposition against anybody who is, you know, subject to the Holy Spirit according to Proverbs 1, 17 through 32, uh, because uh, the, the, the angry religious group called the Sadducees could not tolerate evidences of the Lord's resurrection power. You know what they did? They arrested the apostles. These were the real apostles, not these ones around here with these long cars and shiny jewelry and stuff, and, and, and putting pressure on people to give to them so that they could provide coverage for them. My God... I'm not talking about them. These are the real apostles in the ancient day. My God, sometimes didn't have, had to do without, and still preach the word of God without a paycheck, my God. They said we ought to obey God rather than men. Today, apostles are preaching according to the tenets of men because they got to get that paycheck. My God. But we need not have our, you know, counsel predicated upon what's in the wallets of the men. Turning their hearts so you could get what's in the wallet. We don't preach political sermons that way. But we preach the pristine word of God. And it will prick your heart if you are not walking in cahoots with God. God is trying to wake you up, put a flag of wake up in your spirit so you could get right before he comes. Uh, hallelujah. This is how we ought to preach. That's how we ought to live. Are we living differently? Or can people hardly tell? They used to say in old days, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would they find enough evidence to convict you? Would they? My God, we need to be sure that it is holy conviction in us that's moving us and not just intellectual opinion of people. We got to move by the auspices of God. You need to be moved by holy faith and not just a gut feeling. And when you fear, in other words, respect the Lord in a prioritized way, guess what? Society uh, may respect you uh, uh, sometimes. Uh, most of the time they won't like you but half the time they will have enough wherewithal to give you some kind of respect. I respect that. I'm not going to do what you're doing, but I pretty much respect it. You know, you know, there's an inherent eternal blessing in fearing. In other words, respecting the Lord, whether people want to follow or not. They used to sing the old song. If mama don't go, what I still will follow. Uh, if dad don't go, I what still will follow follow. If my friends don't go, I still will follow. I'll go with Jesus all the way. 
Not stumble along the way, but go with him all the way. Not throw in the towel halfway, but go all the way. The title of this message is not teaching that you should ignorantly and foolishly disrespect the laws of government, nor lead a mob of conceited, uh, selfishly dysfunctional misfits who want to overthrow the government. You know, that's not what Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two twenty-one. Render therefore to Caesar the things uh, which are Caesar's, and unto God the things which are God's. This shows that Jesus taught against such mindlessness. He will never advocate rebellion against governmental authority, nor will he ever promote bold insults at high officials. It's not the way of the Holy Ghost, unless the Holy Ghost puts you in the council to give of uh, the auspices of which uh, you represent, and then you have to not falter there. You're, you're going to tell them, it's not that I think I'm better than you, it's just that I have to obey God. And, and you have to stand your ground on that premise. My God, it was Jesus's mission, and it should be ours, to prevail against evil with a spiritual campaign, not a political one. He prioritized the heavenly agenda while complying with the earthly agenda without sinning. If they're trying to make you sin, well, then you got to break the law. Amen. Yeah. The epistles further explain this dual citizenship of every believer by exposing the spirit of false teachers in 2 Peter 2, 4 through 10, which we read last time. You know, authentic Christians will never have an underhanded evil motive masked as righteousness, and hypocrites will never get away with such activity. God will not be mocked. In the inspired words of the ancient farming society of the Bible, we will eventually reap whatever we sow. Amen. Governments don't have to be overthrown, nor do hypocrites have to be chased down so that we could avenge, you know, for God. But God will have the last say. He always says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. It's our job to praise the Lord, obey the Lord, stay submitted to the Lord. You know, God will separate the authentic from the fake. He will separate the wheat from the tare. He will separate the sheep from the goats. And since God's presence is inescapable, invincible, and perfect in divine wisdom that surpasses our earthly understanding, we should certainly heed to the warning of Galatians 6, 7, where it says uh, uh, that we ought not uh, be misled. Uh, and we should remember that no one can ignore God and get away with it. We will always reap what we sow. Why? The Spirit of the fear of the Lord is the third person of the Godhead who shares an eternal existence with the Son and the Father and has a well-documented presence throughout every genre of the Holy Bible. And we have to say Holy Bible because the Holy Bible should not have been messed with. Amen. He inspired the writing of the, the Holy Bible, yes, uh, which is the authoritative word of God the Father. God as Heavenly Father gives us a heavenly parental model as revealed in his word, which shows us that he works authoritatively rather than as an authoritarian. An authoritarian is a tyrant, amen? So God sticks to his decisions of enforcement 
and loving chastisement, not hateful chastisement, loving, but surrounds his children with an individually based, peaceful learning relationship relative to the quality of their responses, which is how Lisa and I sought to parent. Amen. I could not look at Siana the same way I looked at Andre. Siana learned differently in a different style. Some similarities to Andre, but some stark differences. So, amen. Andre would internalize a lot and would seemingly uh, not know when he did know. Amen. We had to be patient with him because when time came, he blurbed out everything. My God, knew all the letters, their sounds, everything. Had the phonics down. Amen. He showed the world, I'm ready. I can read. Hey, hallelujah. I thank God for that. It did not come out the way Siana brought it out, but both of them are people, amen? And God works as a, as a personal savior, amen? Parenting should be based on an individual, my God. And they need a peaceful learning environment and relationship. And uh, we look for quality in their responses, and we set the bar high, but we help them, and they can make, you know, a uh, little... Uh, mistakes along the way, but we keep leading them to the good way. Amen. Research published by the American Sociological Review asserts that an authoritarian parenting style characterized by harsh and dysfunctionally strict discipline, minimal expressions of, of affection, and low levels of responsiveness to children has been linked to negative child and adolescent outcomes. By contrast, an authoritative parenting style characterized by consistent and firm discipline and high levels of warmth and parental responsiveness has been linked to positive outcomes among children and adolescents, end quote. Nevertheless, because of the true living God uh, being holy and righteous beyond our scope of reason, uh, marvel not, we will all reap what we sow, as recorded in the Holy Scriptures. Thank God. Now let's take a quick tour, if you will. I'm your tour guide now, Pastor Anthony A. Jackson, your tour guide through the Holy Library of God's Word. Are you ready? What effect did the spirit of the fear of the Lord have on past societies? Let's take a look. We're in the foundation and the first floor, the Old Testament. And here in this section, we see in the law and history sections, Genesis through the book of Esther, where uh, he wrote the law and enforced it through ancient history to present us faultless before our Holy Father, but we must choose to serve him according to Numbers 16, 1 and 2. Uh, one day Korah, son of Izar, a descendant of Kohath, son of Levi, conspired with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliad, and On, son of Peleth, from the tribe of Reuben, they incited a rebellion against Moses involving 250 other prominent leaders, all members of the assembly. All 250 rebellious people in their households, you know what happened to them. 
My God. In Numbers 16, 32 through 34, we see that the earth opened up and swallowed them, my God, along with their households and their followers. All their friends from Facebook was in there too, who were standing with them in everything they owned, my God. So they went down alive into the grave along with their belongings. God said, take your, 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 your computers, everything. I don't need your iPhones, none of that. My God, just take it all, just go. The earth, what? Closed over them, and they all vanished. All of the people of Israel fled as they heard their screams, fearing that the earth would swallow them too. The higher your false ascent, the harder your real fall will be. My God, that's what that teaches us. We got to learn from history. In 1 Samuel eleven seven, it says, And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. And again in 2 Chronicles 14, 14, it says, Then they defeated all the cities around Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them. Look at what the fear of the Lord causes. 2 Chronicles 17, 10, And the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah, so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. And in 2 Chronicles 19, 9, And he commanded them, saying, Thus you shall act in the fear of the Lord faithfully and with a loyal heart. Now, this heavenly standard was yet encouraged even in the poetry section, which we are now in, and we're walking and we're walking. Thank God. There will be no bathroom breaks. Let's keep going. The poetry section, Job to the Song of Solomon, I bid you. And he inspired the writers to personify wisdom, and rightfully so, since he is our wisdom, capital W, leading us to intimate understanding and knowledge in all of God's righteousness. Look at Job 28, 28, where it says, And to man, he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. And in the book of Psalms, we have a few verses, uh, chapter 19, verse 9, uh, where it says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And in Psalm 34, 11, where it says, Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And again in Psalm 111 and verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then we go to Proverbs 1, 7, where it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and destruction. Our amen message scripture, one of them. And we're walking, and we're walking. No Kool-Aid breaks. Nope, keep going. The major and minor prophet sections. That's where we are now. And look around. You'll see Isaiah all the way to Malachi. This is a dark corridor, everyone. No, you do not have sunglasses on, but it is dark in here. A dark corridor leading to the second floor. Despite man's love of idolatry, God's eternal testimony of prehistory, history, and the eons of time beyond was spoken from the mouths of all the prophets. 
look at Isaiah 11:2, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, capital H, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Who are they talking about? You're going to find out. My God. Let's enter the second floor and chief cornerstone, better known as the capstone, and that is the New Testament. We have been building upon the foundation, and now we're going on into the scaffolded New Testament. Some theological adages that you may have heard already outside of the councils of our uh, tour, uh, quote, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Hallelujah. Here's another one. The Old Testament is our bill of rights, and the New Testament is our bill of responsibilities. Check that out. We must realize that the truth of the whole Bible, uh, we cannot use grace as a cloak to continue in sin. Now, let's move forward now, will you? Watch your step there as we go up the steps. Hallelujah. The gospel section, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The mighty light of Christ that the prophets of old foretold. Now you know who it is. The mighty light of Christ shines in the darkness because we went through that dark corridor and we needed light. Let there be light. This is the light that shined in darkness. And darkness, what comprehended it not? Hallelujah. So the mighty light of Christ shines in the darkness of man's continued disobedience as the Gospels announce his miracle of incarnation revealing the way back to the Father via transformation, resurrection, and transfiguration. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the capital W Word was with God. And the capital W Word was God. This is where faulty teachings come in. Some of the counsels of the watchtower, yes, them. They say in a word was a God. He's not a God. He what is God. Verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. In case you don't know who we're talking about, Jesus. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That's very intriguing. The Lord made me park my car there and get out, and he showed me some wonders about comprehend it. When you comprehend something, it now, amen, grabs your attention because there's something about it you just don't understand. But it intrigues you. And you can come into the knowledge of it and become intimate with it once you get an understanding, and then you can internalize it, and now you have a reckoning throughout whoever presents it again to you, or you come in you know, contact with it again. You have the wherewithal to know how to deal with it, what it's all about, and you can, and you can use it to your 
to, 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 to help you, or it might hurt you, whatever the case, but not yet, because knowledge could be good or bad, amen? And, and you can get a comprehension that's evil. You can get a comprehension that's, that's holy. Should you work to get holy things in your mind, in your heart? Shouldn't you eat what is good for the soul, amen? The soul food you need should be eternal food, amen? Not just that's going to last on the hips until you go back to the earth, ashes to ashes. I'm not talking about that kind of soul food. Fat back and all of it could get back, amen? But I'm talking about the real soul food. That which comes and proceeds out of the mouth of God. It will feed you till you want no more. But that's not in my script. Stick to the script. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost made me preach a little bit on the tour, but that's all good. Hallelujah anyhow. We're in the history section, y'all. The history section of the New Testament, the book of the Acts of the Apostles, which should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit, really, because the Holy Spirit is still writing the book of Acts in us. Amen? Here, the birth of our Savior, the faithful vital seed from glory, germinated, giving way to the birth of his church, initializing its development, which is yet emerging in modern history. Acts 9, 31. And walking in the fear of the Lord. See, you thought we were done with the fear of the Lord. No, it's not over. It's eternal, y'all. Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit now, because Jesus left the scene physically in an incarnated version of himself. And he left the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the revealer of the truth. Amen. So walking in the fear of the Lord from the Old Testament, God birthed it into history. Yes, and now Jesus came and did what he had to do, as was foretold by those ancient leaders in the Old Testament. Jesus came in the New Testament. In the Gospels, it's proclaimed. Now we're in uh, going towards the epistles where it will be explained. Amen. So the comfort of the Holy Spirit, what happened to the church? Did they die out? No, they were what? Multiplied. Multiply. God likes multiplicity. He likes exponential growth. One becomes two, two becomes four, four, eight, eight, sixteen, thirty-two, sixty-four, hundred and twenty-eight. He keeps going. My God, multiplicity. Multiply. My God. So we go from Acts, where all this explosion of growth happened. Let there be the church, God is saying. And now we have the epistles. We need time to chew on this, to understand it, to let it assimilate, become who we are. We become it, my God. We come into the knowledge of the truth, not just hear about it. The epistles section, Romans through Jude. As one preacher I trust, an old country preacher, y'all. J. Vernon McGee puts it this way. The epistles glorify Christ and show him as the head of the church. They speak of his coming again to establish his kingdom. The epistles are the unfolding or explanation of the person and ministry of Christ. They also tell of things to come. And I show you a record. 1 Corinthians 15, 47 through 51. The first man of the earth made of dust. The second man of the earth uh, is the Lord from 
heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we are born in the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear in the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. You know how the rest of it goes in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. My God, the sound of the trump. My God, the dead in Christ shall rise. Hallelujah. And they that remain alive shall meet him in the air. And there we will be forever with the Lord. Amen. Thank God. And that brings us emphatically to the prophecy section the book of Revelation. We made it towards the end. This section focuses on the deliberate strategies. Somebody say deliberate strategies. Oh, say it like a theologian, deliberate strategies. Hallelujah. Of the ongoing opposition between holiness and evil in the spirit realm, y'all. The word of God never fails in his assignment. I said his because he's a person. Who is the word of God? Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When we start to trust his omnipotence for our good, then we will change from having a spirit of fear to one of certainty. God's ways are beyond our comprehension, right? Uh, when light comes, the darkness can't comprehend it anyway. But you can be sure he is accomplishing his purposes in his times. Uh, it's his time and y'all, not ours. Like the rain and snow that seem to be wasted, God's word accomplishes his will on earth. Amen. I bid you an example from the Old Testament, the eagle-eyed prophet who is sometimes termed as the fifth gospel, Isaiah 55, 9 through 12. For just as the heavens are higher than their earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, it, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. Who is the Prince of Peace, people of God? Who promises to give us joy unspeakable and full of glory if our faith remains strong through fiery trials? You know who it is, Jesus. Jesus is joy and peace personified. Hallelujah. Another witness, a few witnesses, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, he's talking to the people of God, let us cleanse ourselves from all. He knows that some of us still got a little bit of dirty hands and some of us got to finish the work we started in the outhouse. Amen. And the job isn't finished till the paperwork is done. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in what? The fear 
of God. There it is. You thought it was gone. Second Corinthians seven fifteen. And his affections are greater for you as he remembers the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. He's going to remember that, what we're doing right now, because it's not convenient, is it? People talking about us, people looking at us cross-sided like we're the stupid ones, my God. But God's going to confound the wise, my God, and make the simple wise. Hallelujah. He's going to turn it around. Late in the midnight hour, yes, God's going to what? Turn it around. He's going to work in your favor. Yes, he will. Ephesians 6, 5 says, Servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ. He's not talking about uh, human trafficking here, just in case some people think the Bible is giving them license to do such things. No. Philippians 2.12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Because the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you're going to reverence God correctly, aren't you? You can't worship God without the Spirit. Lord, help us to know the noun so that we may do the verb. You know, the fear of the Lord is a noun. And to fear the Lord is a verb. Deuteronomy 6, 2 Fear the Lord your God. That's a verb, right? Keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. And those days are not intermittent with little, you know, sidebars of fleshly things. No. That your days may be what? Prolonged. And in Psalm 22, 23, that's from the trilogy of the Messiah, the Messianic trilogy. 22, 23, and 24, that's a Messianic trilogy. So this is the onset of the trilogy of the Messiah. You who fear the Lord, they're talking about Jesus, y'all. You who fear the Lord, praise him, all you descendants of Jacob. Glorify him and fear him, all you offspring of Israel. Thank God. Four more witnesses. Psalm 33, 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Psalm 34, 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. Proverbs 3, 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Malachi 3.16. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. That's everything about him, the character, the personhood of Jesus. We're meditating on that, not just what would Jesus do, but let it become intimate and become who you are. You're going to know what Jesus would do because the Holy Ghost is enabling you to do it. Not just some list you're carrying around because you bought it from the Christian bookstore. No. Will you have a written record of your fear of the Lord in the Lamb's book of life? Jesus has a book, y'all, called the Lamb's book of life. 
It's a such thing as being blotted out. Y'all thought that company created white out. No, Jesus did. So he gives everybody a chance. You're all in there. Oh, you don't want it. I have to blot you out. He wants us all, right? That none will perish. People think, oh, only a few going to be in there, so I might as well live like hell and go to hell. No. Everybody should be saved. God wants everybody, what, to be saved. How about everybody was sent the Rande Sivu play, the RSVP. God sent it out, sent it out to everybody, but not everybody will come. And some who come are going to want to come uh, and stay the way they are. You might come, but you can't stay the way you are. Jesus got new garments. Here, take that garment off. I got a new garment, honey. Raw robe. And they're going to come and fit you up and put you with some anointed clothes, anointed apparel. Hallelujah. You can't just stay like that. And some are going to come to the marriage feast just thinking they're going to come as they are and stay that way. But Jesus said, nope, there's a newness of life that you need. Hallelujah. Let's conclude with this kind of praying. We have three witnesses to help me. You should pray according to the biblical standard. Amen. You should learn how to say what's in the Bible back to God. Let's learn how to reciprocate back to him. Remember to give God the greatest respect in all things. Look at your life. Look at your life. Have you given God the highest respect in all things of your life? Or have you done better to things on the earth in some cases? Nehemiah 1.11. Oh, Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. Let that be us, y'all. And to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. Give it the highest respect. That's what it means. Psalm 61.5. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. We got to start praying that. Psalm 86.11. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Oh God, please be our voice as we testify to the world on your behalf. Be the power that works in us to bring glory to your name, O oh Most High. May this world be positively affected as your light shines through us, we ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank God. Hallelujah and amen. Hallelujah. Thank God. Hallelujah and amen.